<laughs> you know, I didn't even have that planned. It sounded good, though, did it? Ryan, it sounded pretty good. All right. I'd like to uh, uh, ask you a question. Have you ever dug a hole for yourself before in something you say? I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. This means yes, and this means no. I've dug many a hole, and I'm going to dig one right now. Um, I've been married 21 years, moving on to 22, and um, I'm setting a record in our family. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be determined by your past. You don't have to be determined by any circumstances around you because God can create, God can hold together, God can build whatever it is. God really can help you overcome obstacles in your life. God really can free you from addiction in your life. God really can heal where healing needs to come. He really can do that. So now I'm going to dig the hole. There's a few things that I found out about my wife in those 21 years. Woo, I already forgot them. Hold on a second, I need to do something. I like being down here and personal. That way when I'm preaching, I can spit to the first row or maybe the second row and (laughs) catch them in the face. Several things I've learned about my wife. The first thing I want to share with you is this. She's pretty. Um, She is, and that's a great way to start it because it's going to get worse from here. (laughs) She's pretty. Something else I have to remember about my wife and... By the way, y'all going to be proud of me. I have a few notes. I usually don't use those, but I want to make sure we don't miss some things. Second thing I learned about my wife is this, is that you never, ever, ever forget her birthday. See, we're on a, way, we're on a church. Now, I'm going to have to line this up real good. Um, we were on a church retreat that we were planning and speaking at and all these things, and I had a lot on my mind. But I did have a birthday card in my suitcase in the van as we were traveling down the interstate that I completely forgot to give to my wife before we left and we're on the interstate and I'm sitting here driving and things are strangely quiet. Have y'all ever been there before? Please join me. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm not alone. And I looked over and I said, Melanie, what's going on? little bit. Not really. I'm the guy talking. (laughs) Third thing I've learned about my wife. Thank you, honey. I love you. There's at least 2% of the time that she might be directionally challenged. I'm serious. Sometimes I'll say, honey, we need to take a right right here and she'll go left. Honey, we'll need to take a left. She'll go straight. Directionally challenged. How many of y'all, I'm, I'm just completely curious. Oh, if, if, if you didn't have MapQuest, Google Maps, or whatever it is, you'd be lost. This means yes, this means no. What did we have before, before Google Maps? What did we have? We had Garmin. Um, uh, paper Maps. This is what I want to know. How many of y'all still have a paper map in your car? 
Anybody under the age of 20 that has a paper map in their car? And it's, it's not going to happen. You know, it's really cool. Technology is good when it works, but I, I really like the idea of knowing where I'm going. Because if I don't know where I'm going, I can get lost really, really easy. How about y'all? You can get lost really easy. How many of y'all have ever gotten really, really lost when you're driving and ended up at least 50 miles out of your way? 150. Not that far? Well, all right, I'm going home now. Y'all don't need me. How many of y'all, and let's do this the safe way. I'm going to ask the question the safe way. How many of y'all have ever known someone who's ever gotten lost in life? You understand what I mean by safe way, right? That way we don't have to admit it. it might be us. How many of us have ever gotten lost in life? What's it feel like when you get lost? Maybe in driving, maybe in life. What's it feel like? Scary. You ever been lost and the check engine light comes on or the gas tank low fuel light comes on? I remember that. What else does it feel like when you get lost? Frustrating. What else? Oh, I, did I hear a desperate? Hopeless. Confusing. Very, very anxious. When we get lost, we have all of these feelings kicking in, and when all of these things begin to kick in, and let's say when they begin to kick in in life, you begin to get to this place where when you used to wake up in the morning, you'd get out of bed, and it's like you had a direction you knew you were going, right? It's like, I, I know where I'm going in this day. I am confident in what's going on, and I can confidently make decisions. But what happens when you get to the place and you go to get out of bed... And you're like, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't know where I'm going. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to be around this person. And you're just lost. Circumstances are rocking your boat. And you're sinking. There's a lot of lies you begin to believe when you begin to get lost. And I appreciate y'all for preaching my sermon already for me, Joanne and, and Nick with the songs. But I'm going to highlight those. You begin to get lonely. You begin to think that nobody cares about you. How many, don't raise your hand. How many folks have ever felt that way? You get into a situation, you begin to feel isolated, your world begins to fall apart, and you get so drawn into the difficulty, not because you're being selfish or self-centered, you're going into survival mode almost, and you get to the place that you're feeling lonely like nobody cares about you. Maybe you start feeling kind of like an outcast. Everybody else has it all together, you start believing another lie. How many of y'all ever believed that lie before? I mean, you'll beat yourself up because everybody else has it all together and you don't and you think that you should because you're 35 or 45 or 55 or 75. You say, I should have it all together. And I don't. Well, I got news for you. Walk down your road and probably about 90% of the places you pass, people don't have it all together. And the other 10% are just deceived. I'm being dramatic here, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. Rob thinks I'm telling the truth. Huh? 
You get into a place where you start searching. And you say, you know what? If I can just find it, then I'll be happy. If I can just land that job, then, then my life's going to make sense. Because I can use my calling in that job. I got gifts for that job. If I can just go and do this, then I'll be happy. Or if I can get me this good-looking fella, then I'm going to be happy. I was about to say something about marriage and me and Melanie. But anyway, nevertheless, I digress. But we're looking for it, and if I can find it, then I'll be happy. We begin to look out there. We begin to try to attach ourselves to what's happening out there so that we can change something in here. And it's just not making sense because we're lost. I'm searching. And I'm transient. You know, by the way, I'm going L-O-S-T. Lonely, outcast, searching. I thought that was pretty smart of me to do that. Um, but I'm just going to go through all these notes. I'm not going to skip over any of them. So we're going to be here about an hour. Um, you know what it means to be transient? You don't really have a place to call home. And when you don't have a place to call home, you often have a very low level of peace in your life. Transient means you don't have a place to call home. You know, whenever you need to look something up, what do you do? How many of y'all still have a dictionary in your house? I do. I just don't know where it is. I just Google it. I Google transient, and the definition didn't come up, but TGA came up. Transient global amnesia. Have you ever heard of that? You haven't heard of that? Nobody's heard, nobody's heard of that? Transient global amnesia. Let me tell you what, it, what the definition is. Your short-term memory, because you don't have a place to call home, your short-term memory begins to get overwhelmed, and your ability to recall and access older memories begins to go away. In other words, you get so sucked into what's going on in your life and your position right here that you can't even look back and recall that, yeah, when I was going through a tough time back then, it did work out. You forget about everything. You're just so sucked in right here, you can't even see the successes God has brought you through back there. And you get lost. I want to tell you a story. And I wasn't going to do this until I asked a particular member of my family. He asked me not to uh, bring that up. There's only two of us in the house, two he's. So I'm not going to mention his na- that name. He said, Dad, I think you need to tell your story. I said, well, why do I need to do that? He said, because they were late to it. I want to tell you what happened when I walked out of this church and eventually walked out of, I surrendered my credentials as a pastor. Now, there was reasons we did. There's very good reasons. God called us to start River Life and to take a step out like that. But I want to tell you that when you step out of 17 years of doing one thing, of being in pastoral ministry, or whatever that thing is you step out of that you are comfortable with for so many years, there's a lot of things that can happen in your life. You know what happened to me? I lost my identity. 
because I was doing this thing for so many years that my joy and my satisfaction, if you I'm being very self-centered here, I'm getting out of this in just a minute, trust me. But all of these things that I had in my life, when I base them on circumstances, then the obvious question is, what happens when those circumstances change? I want to tell you that when I walked out, because I had to, survivalist instinct kicking in, come on baby, you ain't any, got any survivalists out there? I stepped out, and I realized that my identity was back there. And I woke up saying, who am I? What's going on? Lord, I thought you had me in this. I thought I was going in the right direction, and all these doubts start kicking in because my identity was based on what I did. And I made a mistake. So I was unclear about my identity. And then I became unbalanced. Have I ever been unbalanced, Melanie? Don't answer that question. <laughs> I want to tell you that there are different parts of who you are. There is a spirit, there is a soul, and there is a body. And that body is made up of the appetites, right? I'm hungry, I want this. I'm tired, I need to go rest. But then you're made up of the soul, which is the emotional component of you, and that helps you build relationships. That helps you process circumstances and things like that and tells you, hey, I'm happy or hey, I'm sad. But then there's your spirit. Now, just follow me on this. It gets a little deep. But the spirit is the one that's made alive when you give your life to Christ, right? And the spirit is the one that fellowships, really fellowships with God. But what happens when you start listening to your body and it becomes number one and you stop listening to fellowship with God with the way your spirit's supposed to be fellowship with God. Follow me on this. Then you wake up feeling tired and then you go through the rest of your day letting how you feel in your body rule how you're going to respond or react to every circumstance. Does this make sense? I know it's, y'all, it is deep. And I'm trying to explain it to the best of my ability. And then Craig can come up with all of his, uh, all of his know-how and explain it all to you. <laughs> you follow me on that? You get out of balance. You get out of balance. And then how you feel or whatever your body wants to do will begin to lead you and you fellowshipping with God no longer leads you. That's what I call lost. L-O-S-T. And another thing happens here I want to tell you as well. I was unequipped to deal with life. When I walked out, I felt powerless. And when you are experiencing a low in power in your life, the smallest of circumstances can knock you out of kilter. Agree? This means yes, this means no. The smallest of circumstances can knock you out of kilter. And now I'm going to get to preaching. I'm done meddling. I'd like to share a scripture with you this morning. And I want to give you a practical way to get out of that state. Do I have a scripture? And there it is. You ask, it shall show up. Check this out. Now, I've struggled with this verse before. 
but I want to go through it again very quickly. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want that verse to be flopped over backwards. You know why? Because I've always read the beginning, but I really don't pay attention to the end enough. Because when we are lost, what do we want to know? We want to know what God's will is for our life, right? Well, check this out. Now, this is just one of those open doors. This is one of those answers among many in Scripture, the truth of God. And this is what it says. God's will for you are the things he just mentioned. And I'm going to focus on give thanks in all circumstances. I love that verse. And as you've heard it said, you're going to give thanks in all circumstances, not what? Not for all circumstances. You know why I don't want to give thanks for all circumstances? Because a couple weeks ago, I had a Tahoe down. Tahoe car. It was down. My cat died. Beautiful cat, Zoe. Mm. And my truck died in Victor's yard. That's a bad day in Dallas. That's a bad day in Noonan. That's a bad day anywhere you live. That's a bad day. And it was a very bad day. I don't want to give thanks in those bad days like that for what's happening around me. You know why? Because what's happening around me ain't happy. I'm not going to give thanks for a broken power steering pump. What am I going to give thanks for? Because if I give thanks on circumstance, in circumstances, what if they're not thanksworthy? All right. So where do we direct our thanks? This is elementary, but I want you to listen to this. Where do we direct our thanks? We direct our thanks towards the one who wants our thanks. You follow me on this, okay? And something's going to happen when we do that. I'm going to tell you in just a second. We direct our thanks towards the one who wants our thanks, towards the one who deserves our thanks. And when I'm in the middle of those circumstances, I want to tell you how I give thanks. This is the key. This is the key, folks. Y'all think I had this figured out, right? This is the key. I'm struggling to figure out a situation in my life. This is what I do. And y'all, this is in the last four weeks. This is fresh off the press. Y'all might know this. This is fresh off the press. It just really finally bit. Oh, Lord, I know all this stuff is going on in my life. All these material things are letting me down. But I thank you, God, that according to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, you're going to supply all of my needs. Therefore, Lord, I thank you that you are worthy to be praised and that whatever's going on out here doesn't have to rob anything from me anymore, but you are the one that's going to sustain me all in the middle of it because you are my God. Now, I want to tell you what happens when you do that. You don't have to say it like that. I got a little dramatic. That's how I do it. If you ever see me talking to myself in my car at the traffic light, that's what's going on. Just let it go. Why did I say Philippians 4.19? 
Because when you begin to give thanks with the word of God in your life, you begin to recognize that in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you begin to recognize that all scripture is God-breathed, and you also begin to recognize that it is a living word of God, not just words you read in a historical book. And you know what it does when you bring out that scripture in that moment? It opens you up to the power of God beginning to move in your life. Because I got news for you. And I want to remind you that in Ephesians 1, it says that when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells within you. Folks, that's the Spirit of God that was there in creation. That's the Spirit of God who can do all things. That's the Spirit of God who told the water, you ain't coming this far, you're going to stop right there. That's the Spirit of God who can do anything in all things that God wants to do no matter what. All right. I just lost some of you. Because there's two things you have to settle in your heart before you can begin to do this. I'm almost done. Y'all hang in there. The first is this. You have to settle in your heart who God is. And that might not be a one-time thing. That might be a process. That's why I begin to quote scripture like that. The first time you say that Proverbs or Philippians 4.19, you might not believe it that much. But you begin doing that, you keep doing that, then you begin to establish and settle in your heart who God is. Because if you don't believe he can do those things, then you're hurting. Secondly, though, this is the one I want to give you. You have to settle in your heart who you are. You follow me on this? Eddie, you're a child of God. That means any mistakes... Well, no, he had never made any mistakes. All right, Lewis. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Messing with you. That's how you wake people up, anybody sleeping. Start talking about them. Some of us in this room may have habits that are dogging us, that are dragging us down. And we can be our best, worst critic in our life. I want to tell you who you are. You are forgiven, loved, directed, hovered over, encamped around, blood of Jesus over, child of God. And that means when you make mistakes in your life and you claim that verse out of 1 John 1, 9, it said, Lord, I confess my sins. How many of y'all have ever said that so many times you don't even want to pray it anymore? You know what I'm saying? But you begin to pray that prayer, then you begin to finally realize that I am a forgiven child of God and I don't have to be haunted and daunted and all of these things from my past that even when I did yesterday, I can get up and God's mercies are new every day. Are you following me on this? You have to settle who God is, and you have to settle whose you are. You are a child of God. So where are you at? Where are you at in your Thanksgiving process? See, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know how to end this right now. I kind of don't want to. I kind of like being up here. Kind of nice. Bring it. But I want to tell you a story. 
about not knowing your story and not knowing where you are in the process because all I know is I was supposed to talk about being lost and I was supposed to emphasize that when we begin to give thanks according to the, the promises of God, say, saying them out loud, releasing God's power in your life when you begin to do that and to tell you that things begin to change in ways you just don't understand. Well, I'm not praying about my circumstances. No, don't do that. Pray about God. It ain't going to change. All I know is I was supposed to say that. And so now I'm just going to truly, truly ask you, are you lost? If you don't know God, if you've never come to the place... The same, Lord, you know what? I've heard about all this stuff. I've been in church for 20 years maybe. But I've never trusted you with my life and received you. Then this isn't going to make sense. Maybe you do know God, but you do feel lost right now. And you're crying out. I want you to do something for me. I want you to write out every problem you have in your life. Y'all don't have any problems. I'm going to leave this section over here. Uh, y'all look good. Everybody looks, yep, we got problems right here. <laughs> and beside those problems, I want you to write the truth of God to the right. And I don't want you to write Philippians 4.19. I want you to write Philippians 4.19 and then write out to the side, and my God can provide all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Or you might need to be able to write Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or you need to be able to write out Philippians. Let's just stay in Philippians, shall we? 121. One my grandma wrote in the Bible she gave me when I was a kid and I had no clue and I stored it and later pulled it out and saw that verse and said, that's my grandma's handwriting. What's it say? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Maybe you need to start writing out that verse, if God is for me, then who can be against me? I want you to write it out, and then I want you to say it out loud every single day. And then you call me back and tell me what's happening. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that I thank you that you are Lord, and we are not. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to seek your face, to seek the king and not the thing in our life. I thank you, Lord, that for anyone in this room right now, if they are in a process of searching, Lord, that you would just whisper to them right now and say, Hey, guys. Hey, daughter. Hey, son. You know you're mine, right? You know I got this, right? Yes, Lord, I know. And what you're worrying about. Why is she so anxious about this? You know, it was a surprise to you, but it wasn't a surprise to me. I've already made provision long before you got here. Just trust in me. Proclaim my truth. Boy, that makes my heart feel good. And just watch what I do in your life. You need to understand that my ways are not your ways. And that my thoughts are not your thoughts. I am Lord. I got this. So, Father, I pray a blessing upon your children. 
I ask God that you would bring revelation from whatever was said today, that you would bring truth. And Father, that one thing that needs to be taken away from here would be taken away, God, and would be written down on the mirrors of our house. So we stare at them every day. And I pray, Lord, according to John 8, I believe it's 36, that your children in this room today will know the truth about who you are and about whose they are and that that truth will set them free, Father, and that you would receive the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.